Imagine an election campaign full of ideas, thoughtful debates, some respectful to and fro without going to the lowest common denominator. Perhaps that would engage more voters to turn out at the polls. Hello and welcome to Unpublished TV. I'm Ed Hand. We're coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. Section 91 of the Canada Election Act aimed to take the misinformation and innuendo out of an election campaign. It could bring charges against a person for sharing misinformation, whether they know it's false or not. Now, the court ruled Section 91 was unconstitutional because it infringed on a person's right to free expression. It's an interesting dilemma, as it appears, that it would allow the spread of misinformation because it's protected by the Constitution. The federal government has said it will not appeal the decision. How it will impact the next election, whenever that is, is still to be seen. Joining us on Unpublished TV for this discussion, joining us, uh, Eve Gamon, graduate student at Laval University and an affiliate to Quebec's Observatory on the Societal Impact of AI and Digital Technologies. Duff Conacher is co-founder of Democracy Watch. Christine Van Gein is the litigation director with the Canadian Constitution Foundation. And Sam Roosh is the executive director of Apathy is Boring. And our unpublished TV question, uh, vote question was, should Canadians be held responsible for what they say and transmit on social media? 40.7% of our viewers and listeners said yes, 55.1 said no, and 4.2 were unsure. Now let's go around the uh, the panel and discuss the results of, of that first. And, and uh, uh, Ev, I'm gonna say, you know, I see 40% of Canadians feel that we should be responsible for what we post and transmit on social media. Are you surprised that that number is around 50 or do you think it would have been higher? It's a tough question. I don't know exactly what, how I would have answered personally. Uh, well, we are responsible for our actions. Should we be more responsible? That was basically the question. And uh, it's a tough question. I'm uh, No, so I'm, okay. I'm fine with the fact that 50-50. Right. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Sam? It's interesting because I'm, I think that we have a sense as citizens that a lot of this sort of disinformation, misinformation ecosystem is quite corrosive and, and eroding our democracy in a sense. And I think a lot of us feel powerless to address it. So I could see how they would they would hope for some kind of higher oversight and other folks might be more inclined for a sort of more of an individual responsibility approach. So it's interesting to see how split it is. Yeah, I was uh, I was a little surprised to tell you myself. Uh, Christine, what do you think? Did you think it's... Uh is that where the split was lied that you thought it would have been, or do you think that more people would have sided with, uh, with the uh, judge's decision? I think it, I think the question is held, should be held responsible by whom? Um, should you be held responsible by mm. the government? Should you be held responsible by unelected bureaucrats at elections Canada? Should you be held responsible by your peers? Um, certainly if you post false and defamatory statements, um, during an election period, you're you're subject to civil penalties by the people you've defamed. Certainly, if you post racist or sexist or homophobic statements on social media, you'll be held responsible um, by your peers, by the people who view uh, those those comments and and think poorly of you. But should we have unelected bureaucrats determining whether or not you should or shouldn't have posted something? That's the crux of the question um, when it comes to this law that was 
struck down recently. Mm. Um, and it was struck down because the answer is, is no, the government should, should not be the arbiter of truth, especially when some of those statements um, are, are not knowingly false. So I think it, I think it might, the, the split here might indicate um, a lack of, a, a lack of clarity in the question. I'm sorry to say. Okay. Ed. No problem. No problem. All right, Duff, what, what do you think? I was going to pick up on that. It, it is sure. a, a vague word mm. um, held responsible. And so people would have many different notions in their head as to what that means. Um, picking up on, again, another point Christine made, um, the court didn't strike down the law because the government should not be doing this. The judge actually said that false uh, claims during elections undermine democratic elections and our democracy overall. Uh, the question is, as Christine said, how to do it, how to have the rule and how to have the rule enforced. And the uh, Mark Swatch's proposal is have a very simple blanket rule, no false claims by anyone, including by candidates and parties, party leaders and others uh, trying to convince voters to vote for them by baiting them with false promises and other false claims. And then I don't want the government to uh, ruling on those uh, complaints and, and issues of false claims either. We need a fully independent commission to do it because uh, if it's the government handpicking a watchdog, they're going to pick someone who's going to favor the ruling party in those decisions. And that would not be good for elections either. But we need, we need a rule uh, for false claims about candidates and by candidates. And we need enforcement of that rule to discourage it. Uh, the libel and defamation law is not enough to stop those things from undermining fair and honest elections. What, what do you think, Ev? Uh, you know, we've heard that, you know, uh, we've got uh, libel laws, we have slander laws, defamation laws. Is that enough uh, right now? Or do we need something like Section 91? Um, my big question about this actually is that we have, have had for a long time those kind of provisions against false claims, false information. And they've never been really used, uh, except a few, 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 few times. And is this is the reason why they have never really been used? Is because it was enough to scare people and for them not to do those false false claims, or that this is not the right way to uh, to prevent disinformation? And this is my question. The question that I would love to ask Duff: uh, How do you deal with the fact that those provisions were never really used? used. We have uh, Section 911 since 1908 in various forms, but the same kind of thing, uh, or the prohibition against fake news that uh, has been struck down in Zondel. Uh, it was uh, like there for, for a century. And why do we not use them more often? What do you yeah, think, Duff? Um, well, they weren't used because the media was there to mediate. And the media would refuse false ads and not print false false claims in letters to the editor or, or op-eds that people would submit. And the news media would be doing checks itself. Not to say that the media was 100% accurate all the time at all, but just that they were there to mediate. And also, you always had to prove that it was uh, with the intent to affect the election results. And the chief electoral officer and the commissioner of Canada elections, the two uh, enforcers of the rule, both testified back in 2018 that that made the rule unenforceable because unless someone put a false claim up and then said, don't vote for this person or vote for this person or party, 
they would not be able to improve, prove that a false claim just about a candidate was there to in effect, uh, with the intent to affect the election. Because a person could just say, no, I was just commenting on that person. I wasn't trying to affect the election. And, and you have to prove intent, which means, you know, if, if you have no evidence that they intended to affect the election, you would not be able to enforce the law. So those are the two reasons uh, why things were, were this. We haven't seen large complaints. Now we have social media where anyone can post and place ads and uh, get, have something go viral that's false. And that's why we need a simple blanket rule that just says no false claims. It doesn't matter whether you're trying to affect the election results or not. Just no false claims about candidates, party leaders, party officials, and no false claims by them is the other rule we need because the Commissioner of Canada Elections won't affect, uh, enforce the other false claims rule that's in the law that says they're not supposed to be making false claims to bait voters to, to vote for them. Just clean this up and have an independent enforcement commission and we'll have much more fair and honest elections going forward. Sam, in terms of uh, apathy is boring and the younger Canadians that you target, I, I'm wondering, you know, when you, you talk to young people and they might be turned off of, of politics or elections, uh, is this the kind of stuff that turns them off or is it just too complex or, or, or what, what's bothering them about uh, elections? I think that there's sort of this difficulty with the, the disinformation ecosystem as a whole, which is that it doesn't necessarily, I think it erodes sort of our general trust in institutions and sort of the tenor and tone of that debate, especially when you start getting into false claims, becomes difficult to overcome, especially if you're someone who only sort of pays attention during an election cycle and kind of like checks out a little bit in between. But I think one of the important things to think about is that sort of the social media ecosystem in, in general is that these platforms are built to commodify your attention. So anything that goes up on there, as soon as it starts getting some traction, the social media platforms recognize that this is something that's getting attention and will prioritize it. So you're sort of exposed to the most um, incendiary, I guess, whether that's positive or negative, whatever's evoking emotion in people. So you're also seeing that stuff sort of drift up to the top of the newsfeed. And it is a way to get attention, which is to make sort of wild, snappy, quick, easy claims. And, and whether that's from elected officials or candidates themselves or from sort of individuals who are looking to insert themselves into that, into that space. And so I think what it does is it creates more barriers to engagement for a lot of young people because all they see is sort of this, um, you know, really aggressive, I guess, that may be the right word, sort of conversation that's happening around elections and don't necessarily see sort of the, the, um, the stuff that's not polarizing, that's not right. pulling people apart. Now, the, the, the folks that you deal with and talk to the most are, are, are basically the generation that grew up with a smartphone in their hands. These are the people that know and love social media and technology. So when it comes to misinformation uh, and, you know, the, the the terrible stuff that we do see out there when it comes to election campaigns, do they know more that it's, that it's fake as opposed to, um, like, would they do their research into something like that? Or would they just put it out there? I think it's interesting because the... The, the idea of sort of facts versus opinions, I think, is really important in this context. They and Pew did a study a few years ago that showed that, by and large, young people are far better at differentiating a fact from an opinion. Um, 
But seeing all of this information kind of floating around, as I said, does erode their trust. So I think it's a general sort of lower trust that they have sort of in everything. But I think the tricky thing about social media is, is that when you're seeing uh, disinformation or misinformation being shared online, you're not necessarily thinking about it as, um, you know, oh, this is a, you know, the URL looks funny on this, or it's a, it's a meme. And I think it's, it's also, it's, it's not just sort of this anonymous source. It's someone, you know, or someone you trust that's sharing that information. So sometimes I think that can create a difficulty in seeing yeah. what's disinformation or not, even if you're able to differentiate facts and opinions and all these things, um, it's still really challenging to navigate because you do, you might not have trust with institutions, but you might have trust with your auntie who's sharing, you know, whatever meme yeah. or, or article. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Christine, you, you had brought up this earlier, uh, the, the section 91, you says it, it makes the law uh, or the government, the arbiter of truth and democracy. Um, would that not be up to the judge and not necessarily, but no, as you mentioned, the bureaucrat or the under, government? Under Section 91, it's up to the election commissioner. So in our view, the government is not the appropriate arbiter of truth. Um, the way this law, just to take a step back, the way this law worked was it created a, uh, a punishable offense for someone to share false information about a candidate for election or a person associated with a candidate or political party without defining what false information, what false information is. Um, it was about a category, uh, categories, different categories of facts. So um, a person's uh, education, a person's career, uh, criminal records, um, things like that, their, their place of birth. Um, if you made a false statement about some of those um, those issues for this group of people, you could be um, sentenced to prison and subject to a fine of up to $50,000. And there was no requirement that the person sharing the information know that that information is false. And it was on that ground that the judge struck down the legislation because um, as Sam mentioned, you might see your auntie, it's always, it's always your aunt, isn't it? Yeah, always. <laughs> sharing, sharing something on, uh, on Facebook that turns out to be, to be untrue. And, mm. and, you know, she doesn't know that that's not true. She thinks that that's true. I don't want her to be subject to a, a prison, a term of imprisonment or uh, a penalty of $50,000 because of some some ignorance, I think many of us have probably unknowingly shared things that turned out to be false. I mean, I remember during the last election campaign, I thought that Andrew Shear was an insurance broker. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out he wasn't, and and that would have triggered this legislation because it had to do with his professional credentials. So, on these grounds, you know, not only is the government not a good um, arbiter of truth. They're not an appropriate arbiter of truth. And the absence of a knowledge requirement is what ultimately led to this legislation being struck down, which in my view is, is a great thing for democracy. Ev, uh, you know, the word, and Christine brought it up, the word knowingly uh, was taken out when this was brought up. And then obviously it's, uh, it's been ruled as unconstitutional. I'm wondering why not? The, why doesn't the government just rewrite the legislation? Any idea why? Uh, there were many, many, many more questions. If the 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 the, the judge could have unknowingly, and the the litigation would have come, there were other issues with the law. The fact that 
some words were vague. Um, so there was too much questions to be asked, and it would have been it's it's not the judge of a it's not the job of a judge to rewrite an entire provision to make no. it constitutional. And the other questions were really more in the it was a matter that had to be de dealt with with uh, by the parliament. So even if the word knowingly was there, we would still have the question, would, should we have a, um, an exception for satire? Uh, so no, the judge cannot write add this exception. We, should, we would still have the question to what means um, uh, an offense? What is an offense? It's not pro completely clear what it, is, what it is. So there were too many questions in this, um, this, uh, this, 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 uh, this, this lawsuit, yeah. this lawsuit, no there was too many, too many questions and the judge take, took the easy path. Like, and I say, I'm saying that with all due respect, it was the good thing to do, but she took the easy path to strike down, down the law and say, Hey, government parliament, go back to your drawing table, go back to your drawing board and come back with something more uh, in line with constitutional obligations and duties. Okay. All right. Uh, Ev, uh, now, Duff, you know, we, we hear the phrase spirit of the law, spirit of the law quite a bit. Would that not have a place here? You mean in terms of the uh, analysis of Section 91 that the judge yeah. undertook? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somewhat, except that there are other false claim provisions in the law. You can't claim you're a returning officer or election Canada official, for example. And all of those uh, sections in included the word knowingly, uh, making that false claim. So then the government was saying, well, we took out the word knowingly in this section 91, but it doesn't mean anything because you still have to prove intent that it in intended to uh, affect the election with your false claim. So intense in there, and obviously that means knowingly, and the judges said, well, obviously it did mean something because it's in all the other false claim sections. Um, I think the word knowingly should be in there. You shouldn't be prosecuted mm -hmm. for sharing something that you don't know is false. You can't know everything. This is the whole, the whole approach that's being taken by a lot of people is, oh, let's just educate everyone in critical analysis, and then all voters will be able to tell what's false or true. And that's just impossible because you'd have to be an expert in every single uh, issue area to know whether something's false or true. So that's not the way to go about it. The way to go about it is to prohibit false claims, make it knowingly so that the person who creates the false claim is the one that is discouraged by the possibility of being prosecuted. The Commissioner of Canada Elections is not independent enough to be enforcing this and does not have the resources to do it. We need a new commission uh, and the social media companies should be required to uh, share the posts with them and they should be able to stop posts and have them removed from social media if they're clearly false and also take complaints. And they need to be ruling in real time because no, while no one's going to be able to stop the false claim that goes viral the day before the election, uh, they should be able to have the resources uh, and the uh, powers to stop and remove false claims from social media during election campaign periods so that so that they are removed and are not going viral. We can't leave it to Mark Zuckerberg mm -hmm. as head of Facebook and Jack Dorsey as head of Twitter to be self-regulating on this. That's very dangerous. They're lobbyists. They're lobbying the Canadian government mm -hmm. and political parties 
And so they have an interest in certain people being elected always based on the platforms of the parties. We need a fully independent commission to do this. And it's needed to have fair and honest elections. It's far better than the alternative, which is an election that is dominated by false claims. Uh, a lot of them made mm. through ad campaigns by wealthy interest groups to have an agenda in misleading voters so that they get the government that they are trying to buy as opposed to the government that voters would really want if it was a fair and honest election. Christine, when we look at this uh, 91 that was struck down, uh, the focus seems to be on the user of of the, uh, or who's gonna share the the uh, misinformation. What, what we're, what we're kind of look at, wanna look at here now is, do we have legislation that focuses on the source of the misinformation, the people who are creating that content maliciously, knowing it's going out? So defamation law would be able to deal with both of those things. and. Um, as if, if the if the false information rises to the standard of defamation. Um, and that's actually a much faster process than any type of government tribunal that, that we could imagine. Um, I share Duff's concerns about false information. I think false information has been a long and terrible feature of elections. It is not a new feature in in 2021. It has always been present um, and it has always been a concern. But the best way of addressing it is not to create a new government commission, which would be slow. And, um, you know, these tribunals do not work fast enough to address dr address something like that. And I also think that they don't have um, the, the, they're not positioned, tribunals, the government is not positioned to make the decisions on what is true and false. I think that but, the better solution, despite, just, I, I do disagree with Duff. I think that educating sure. people about how to think about information and um, encouraging engagement with false claims shows the falsity of those claims, bringing a, uh, a, a notice of um, like a, a libel notice if, the claim rises to that standard will result in that being removed far faster than having re recourse to a tribunal. Um, so in my view, those are more workable solutions to deal with this feature of elections that has long been present. Uh, Duff, jump in there. First of all, lots of false claims can be made that are not defamatory. And so defamation law is not going to deal with that. Second of all, you're saying defamation law is enough. Okay, so a complaint is made and the person may retract it. If they don't, then you're going to before a judge. And I'm saying a complaint is made and would go before a judge, an independent commission of qualified people in terms of making judgments. It's the same system. And you're calling defamation law not government making rulings because it's a judge. And I'm saying set up a tribunal that is just as independent as any judge, actually far more independent, as Democracy Watch is currently challenging the federal judicial appointments system for being much too political, and have them judge and rule on false claims. If it That's as much government as defamation is government, if we're talking about judges doing it. So you can't use this word that government's not in the position to do it, but then say defamation law is in the position to do it. When defamation has a, has a higher they, standard. They would both be judges. Defamation has a higher standard. Um, it, those are the cases where uh, it is appropriate to impose limits on expression. When it rises to this 
this extremely high level. And defamation um, has a lower standard because fair comment is allowed, and that's very broad. Uh, so that actually is a lower standard. You can make a false claim as long as it's a fair comment under defamation law. We need to stop false claims. And, and the way to stop it is to have an enforcement system that will stop it and penalties that will discourage it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's far better than having uh, elections dominated by all sorts of social media posts that are false that uh, no one's ever held accountable for and that affect the results of an election in ways we don't even know. My point on the standard is that there's no defined standard. There was no defined standard under Section 91, that it's left to the discretion of the elections commissioner. And my point about the speed for defamation is that often the point is to have the false information or the defamatory information removed. And generally uh, sending a notice, a libel notice is, is the fastest, is a fast way of achieving that far faster than going to a tribunal and going and through that lengthy process. And again, many false claims are made in elections that are not defamatory. So the, that, those are not going to be covered at all. And, and again, just to mention, we also need the rule to be applied, changed so that it's clear that false claims by candidates and po political party leaders and others trying to bait voters to vote for them are also illegal. Our, our elections right now are so unfair. If you think about fundamental voter rights, it's impossible to be an informed voter if false claims are allowed. Because you can inform yourself all you want about platforms, et cetera, et cetera, and follow the election really closely, but if you don't know what parts are untrue of all the platforms and all the claims, you cannot be an informed voter. But this it's also impossible to issue. be a voter who participates in the electoral process, in public debate, with the knowledge that you know the penalty of imprisonment or a $50,000 fine is hanging above your head for unknowingly sharing false information. And I already agreed with that. The sharing should not be prosecuted. Put the word knowingly in there and then the creator of the false claim will be prosecuted. But All you're right. saying you want a system where people can create false claims and try to spread them. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want people to create any false claims. I just think that it's not the role of the government it's not the to government. decide what is true and false. They have, throughout just the pandemic, they have shown an inability to differentiate true from false. I mean, just, just thinking back to the beginning when we were told masks are terrible and now we're told masks are great. I wear a mask. I think they are great. But there was a lot of information that that was coming from the government that shifted over the course of this last year i don't want to leave this this decision making about what's true and false in the hands of the government but you want okay. to leave it in the hands of a judge and i'm saying leave it in the hands of a judge so is a judge government I, I, I don't want to leave it in the hands of an unelected elections commissioner. Um, as for, for judges, they can certainly rule on um, cases of defamation. All right, uh, folks, I, I think that. <laughs> it was uh, a very good discussion, folks. Uh, I don't think Section 91 is coming back, but I think um, it would be interesting if they, if they do uh, look at trying to reapply it and do it knowingly, shall we say. But I want to thank everybody for joining us for uh, today's unpublished TV. Yves, have a good morning.
is a graduate student at Laval University and an affiliate to Quebec's Observatory on the societal impact of AI and digital technologies. Duff Conacher, co-founder of Democracy Watch. Christine Van Guyen is the litigation director with the Canadian Constitution Foundation. And Samantha Roosh is executive director of Apathy is Boring. Coming up on the next Unpublished TV, we'll take a look at the possibility of a spring election. Who wants one? Thanks for watching Unpublished TV. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.